Hello, this is the uh, sound of uh, book pages turning. The book is called, is titled Love Saves the Day, A History of American Dance Music Culture, 1970 to 1979. My name is Tim Lawrence. I am the author of that book. I'm also the co-host of Love is the Message, as you all know, and I am now going to read the third section of four sections from the first chapter of Love Saves the Day. The chapter is titled Beginnings. Um, and we've gone from David Mancuso to Francis Grasso at the Sanctuary, and we're now about to return to the loft. Okay. Back on Broadway, David Mancuso soon established his parties as a weekly affair, although this time he avoided creating a formal framework. I didn't want to run a club or an after-hours spot, he says. I didn't want to be categorised. I just wanted to have a house party. The gatherings ran from midnight until six in the morning, making Mancuso's home one of the few Manhattan night spots to stay open after 4am, which was when the sanctuary closed, and almost certainly the only one that wasn't selling liquor. The Broadway events were also probably the cheapest. Complimentary invitation cards were sent out by mail four times a year on the equinoxes and the solstices, and the admission was just $2, after which the Parsi operated a strictly operated as a strictly commerce-free zone, with Mancuso maintaining that drugs, which were widely used in the absence of alcohol, should not be peddled on the dance floor. I never sold anything on the premises and I never allowed anything to be sold on the premises. Everything was covered by the contribution, he says. That included the food, which was a positive, even ideological, combination of assorted organic dishes, delicious breads and freshly squeezed fruit punch that functioned as the perfect fuel for people who wanted to dance until dawn. I tried to create a situation in which there was no economic inequality. If someone couldn't afford to pay the contribution at the door, then they could write me an IOU. Finding the door in the first place remained a formidable obstacle. These were the first parties where you had to know somebody to get in, says David DePino, who went to the Broadway spot several times. You couldn't find out about them by asking around because nobody knew and they were never advertised. You had to be invited. It was very underground. It was also very mixed, with Mancuso's invitees, who could bring along a guest, cutting across the boundaries of class, colour, sex and sexuality. There was no one checking your sexuality or racial identity at the door, says Mancuso. I just knew different people. Economically, the congregation spanned rich and poor. Racially, it was United Nations leaning toward black and Latino Latina. Sex-wise, women were always central to the setup, even if men were dominant. And sexually, it was as wide as the ocean, although fish that swam in the same direction were in the majority. It wasn't a black party or a gay party. There'd be a mixture of people. Divine used to go. Now, how do you categorise her? The new system was an out-and-out success. Gatekeepers Steve Abramovitz and Maria Garbin gave unfamiliar visitors a serious grilling to stop the uninvited from hitching a lift with an easy-going member. People got to know each other and the party settled into a social groove, functioning as an all-too-rare example of New York's much-talked-about but rarely-witnessed melting pots. <laughs> 